On today's Hoosier Experience podcast, I talked to John Blau of the Bloomington Herald Times and Hoosier Sports Report about the upcoming game at Michigan State. Uh, it's going to be a good contest, and John joins me to break it all down. But first, obviously, let's go through the housekeeping. Follow me on Twitter at Aiden Kunst, A-I-D-A-N-K-U-N-S-T. Follow the podcast at Hoosier E-X-P Pod on Twitter. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe if you're new. All of those great things. Um, incredible time to be an IU fan. All the sports are so good right now. We're going to continue to cover IU football, IU basketball. And, yeah, I'm really excited with, with how the podcast is going and, and kind of everything we're doing here. Uh, just as I'm recording this, news is broke that IU has landed the commitment of graduate transfer DJ Matthews from Florida State. This is an interesting player, uh, someone who had some success in Florida State. He was a top 50 prospect coming in, a four-star, 10th uh, in team history for Florida State with 582 punt return yards, 36 catches for 355 yards and three touchdowns last year. He has a similar body type to Wap Fillier, um, kind of a jitterbug kind of player who's small, not uh, going to you know, make any kind of contested catch uh, opportunities, but he is going to make an impact for IU next year. He'll step in as a graduate transfer. That's some good news for Tom Allen as he tries to turn this momentum into you know, recruiting help and all that stuff because, you know, he's doing the rounds on the media. I heard him on Pat McAfee, heard him with Doug Gottlieb. He's trying his best to go out there and, and make his presence known. And, and I don't blame him because he has an opportunity right now to really make a mark on the recruiting trail. And I think people are going to start to take notice. It seems DJ Matthews from Florida State is the first person to do so. So that's good news for Tom Allen. Now let's get to the interview with John Blau as we prepare for Michigan State on Saturday. Enjoy. Have a great weekend. Let's hope for an IU win. Thanks. Three seconds. Two seconds. Riddell all the way outside the Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And one out! And one out! And Indiana wins the ball game! Welcome to another episode of the Hoosier Experience Podcast. My name is Aiden Kunst, and today I am joined by John Blau of the Bloomington Herald Times to talk about this week's contest at Michigan State for IU football. Obviously, they're coming off of a big win against Michigan. They're ranked in the top 10 in the AP poll, and I think there's a, you know, a lot of excitement for the season and, and for this game. Obviously, it's a kind of a the game before Ohio State, I guess you could say. And, and so uh, there's a lot of sort of looking ahead and, and we'll see how that works out. John, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for coming on with me. Doing good. Um, how are you doing? Doing good as well. And uh, again, I appreciate you coming on. I just wanted to start kind of as we get into this by, by asking you if you had any kind of major takeaways, final thoughts as we kind of turn the page and from, you know, the Michigan game, which which was obviously a, a huge win for, for Tom Allen and IU. Yeah, I mean, I think the the big deal about it is that they very handily won that game. I mean, obviously, Penn State was a game where they kind of pull it out down the wire. The offense needs to kind of find itself late in the fourth quarter and overtime. That was not the case versus Michigan. I mean, they started fast. I think Tom Allen said this himself. They, they started fast and they finished strong, which is what they want to do as a program. And uh, Michigan, you know, 
that's usually a, a, a program in terms of the athletes they have in the trenches. They usually win that battle. Um, IU actually seemed to win the battle in the trenches in that game, which was especially significant on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the defensive line really held its own, held them to 13 yards rushing. Um, that was a pretty uh, impressive performance against a program that they obviously hadn't beaten in a long time since 1987. So that gives them a lot of momentum as they continue on here, obviously in the top 10 in the polls now. So uh, they just got to keep that going at Michigan State. Right. And so Michigan State, obviously, one and two. Weird season. They they lose to Rutgers and they commit like seven turnovers. So we're all kind of thinking that's a fluke. And then they go and on the road and beat Michigan. And, and now, you know, there's a lot of momentum for them. And then they come out last week and just get destroyed by Iowa. So kind of a, a unpredictable team at this point. What's your early read on the Spartans and what kind of matchup problems do you think they present for, for IU? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a program that has a new head coach, Mel Tucker, who spent a year at Colorado, then comes over uh, to coach this program. And so you expect some, you know, learning curve to be there. Obviously, the pandemic offseason made things even weirder. So I can't imagine being a first-year head coach and uh, you can't even meet with your guys and really install schemes. So you would expect some inconsistencies there. And so Tom Allen has said, you know, yeah, we're, we're not preparing for the team that lost you know, handily to Iowa, we're preparing for the team that beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. And obviously IU did play, a, you know, again, they, they pretty much handled Michigan, but Michigan did cause them problems at times. It's not an untalented football team. So if that's a team in Michigan State that can beat Michigan, you got to take them seriously. Uh, Rocky Lombardi obviously passed for a ton of yards against Michigan. Um, he had three touchdowns in that game, 300-plus yards. And uh, he turns the ball over a little bit. I think that's been an issue for Michigan State. They have to, you know, protect the ball better. Uh, they definitely have, you know, athletes that can, you know, stretch a defense through the passing game, like I said, uh, versus Michigan. And, and that's what Tom Allen is concerned about. Uh, running the ball, they haven't been very consistent at all, um, especially the way IU played the run last week. That, that would seem to be a favorable matchup. But, um, yeah, definitely – you're definitely concerned about the way they can throw it. And, uh, and then defensively, I mean, Michigan State usually has some big bodies up front. So IU's offensive line is going to have to be ready. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to touch on Mel Tucker because here's a guy who obviously comes over after a year at Colorado and, and you know, I, don't, I guess a lot of people didn't really know what to expect and, and he's come in and done a pretty good job. Uh, well, you know, what do you kind of think? Because this is a program that, that as much as Mark D'Antonio did good things for them, he kind of left them in a bad spot. And so, you know, Mel Tucker's having to kind of build that up. What, what do you think about Mel Tucker so far? and uh, kind of the job he's doing for, for an MSU team that, that really, quite frankly, doesn't have the level of talent that they're, they're accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Mel Tucker, the fact that you're able to get a win over Michigan in, in one of the first three weeks, that, that is a boost for your program, especially in-state. If you're trying to win an in-state recruiting battles, uh, you, you beat your in-state rival. That's a big deal. Um, Tom Allen was talking about him. He obviously has a pedigree. Tom Allen doesn't know him personally, but – you know that he was at Georgia and Alabama. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator for you know the Jaguars, for the Chicago Bears. I mean, he's, he has a lot of experience that really pops on his resume, and that's going to be something that you know obviously attra- uh, attracts recruits. I mean, they're going to see that and they're going to you know be interested. And and Michigan State is a program that IU really does recruit a lot against. I mean, if you look at the offers, a lot of these players that. IU is uh, recruiting in some of those higher end ones. They have Michigan State offers. I mean, they're 
this is a this is a team that you know when you look at the kind of the pecking order in the Big Ten, it's always been kind of Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and then it's that next tier. Yeah. And IU has been trying to to leap Michigan State, and this is your year to do that. Um, and uh, Mel Tucker, I mean, seems it's probably it's probably too early to really have a a great read on what he's doing or what he's not doing because he's only three games in, but um, it's not a team you can overlook. And especially last year's performance, IU losing up there in heartbreaking fashion. I don't think they're going to overlook them. Yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned earlier, Rocky Lombardi, this guy's, you know, talented, but he's turned the ball over. This team as a whole has really struggled turning the ball over. And to me, when I look at this matchup, that does not bode well for uh, an offense that is facing an ex- extremely opportunistic IU defense under Kane Womack. They intercept the ball, I think, what, eight interceptions at this point. Uh, those DBs are so talented here at IU. And so, you know, I think to me that seems like maybe the what's going to end up being the turning point in this game is that IU will probably win the turnover battle by two or three. And, and how important do you think it is to kind of take the ball away from from Lombardi and, and that whole offense that is, has really turned it over. No, oh, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the, I think the turnover battle uh, takeaways might be the game, uh, honestly, because IU hasn't turned the ball over that much this year. I mean, the one thing you think if, if you're going to lose to a team that just got its, you know, behind votes by Iowa, the one thing you could do that could really help them out is to turn the ball over and give them some opportunities to get ahead or um, have momentum swinging plays. But if you're IU's defense, yeah, I mean, uh, they've been doing a great job uh, this this entire year, forcing turnovers. A lot of those are just kind of errant throws by quarterbacks. Um, Joe Milton, a couple of his throws, well, at least the first one to Jalen Williams was just a, a very errant ball. But the, the second one was maybe a little more forced in terms of a pressure. And then Devon Matthews coming over the top. Um, but we're, at the same time, out too. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, when, but at the same time, when you look at those, uh, it's because IU's been putting offenses in, in worse situations in second and third down. I mean, before, when, that, when the defense was really struggling and not forcing as many turnovers, because on first down, offenses were picking up chunks, and so much more of the field was open to them in terms of play calling and what they could do. Um, this year, you're getting a lot uh, better production from the, from the front, the defensive front and the linebackers in terms of what they're doing and how they're tackling. Um, and, and then you're bringing pressure behind it and then when it's uh, those second and third and longs, I mean, the corners are able to, you know, kind of be opportunistic, like like happened last week with Jalen Williams. He has an interception in all three games. And uh, Devon Matthews with that one to seal the game against Michigan. So, yeah, I, I would think if IU can do what it needs to do defensively on first down, put Michigan State into some bad situations in second and third, uh, that's when they can bring some pressure. And that's when maybe they can, you know, get some picks and some turnovers. And that could really, really uh, – that could really put the game in IU's favor. Right, and the other thing is is how good they've been in the red zone. IU obviously perfect in terms of converting opportunities. So if you get some of those short fields, you know the defense gives the offense some of those short fields. When you look at the offense, and and I think you wrote about uh, Ty Freifogel this week, and and I did like a little film study on him. Just that that dominant first half. This guy to me is so impressive, and and just the the IU offense as a whole, it just seems like just a situation where there's so many weapons. There's so many guys who, who you can throw the ball to. And I was watching that Michigan, you know, first half where this legendary coordinator, Don Brown, is just like going back and forth between man and zone. He doesn't know what to play because they're just torching him regardless. What do you think about this Michigan State secondary? Because 
it, when, when I look at it, it's like you got to have DBs who can play man on these receivers or you'll be torched because these, these shallow cross concepts, these mesh concepts that Sheridan runs where it's, you know, three or four guys going across the field at once. And it's just so hard to cover that if you're in a zone. Michigan obviously didn't have the corners to, to check these guys at all. What do you think about the Michigan State defense as it relates to, you know, their ability to stop this explosive IU offense? Yeah, I mean, Michigan State usually has players defensively. Um, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't watched enough tape on Michigan State secondary to really know uh, right. kind of how they match up exactly. But I think I can, I can echo what you were saying in terms of the offense for IU. Yeah, they just got a, they got a ton of weapons. I mean, you look at Ty Fryfogel, uh, Wap Fillier, they're both guys that can beat you deep. Uh, having Miles Marshall back now is yeah. another four body you can really run. Um, and he can get past you, too, and win some jump balls. And, uh, yeah, I wrote that article about Ty Freifogel this week. I mean, he's been a guy that's been really uh, overlooked probably throughout his IU career just because he either had Nick Westbrook, Donovan Hale, and WAP ahead of him, you know, for these last few years. Uh, and, obviously, a lot of attention goes to WAP just because he's obviously a great player in space. He makes a lot of plays. Uh, they love to get the ball to him. And just like those quick screen bubble situations, uh, he gets a lot of catches. But – uh, Ty Freifogel is a guy who has the complete package. I mean, he's 6'2", 214. Uh, I was talking to his high school coach. I mean, he can jump out of the gym. <laughs> his first yeah. game he ever saw him, he had like a two-hand reverse dunk. Uh, oh, he was like, wow. okay, I got I to gotta pass the ball this year because he was actually a guy who liked to run the ball. And, uh, it, yeah, he can do that. And, and he's got enough speed, I mean, to get by you. And, and that one-handed catch against Michigan, I mean – my God, I mean, he held off the corner with his left arm and yeah. just kind of like scooped it in with his right. Uh, he can do a lot of things. And so, yeah, those, those two or three receivers, um, you add Peyton Hendershot in the middle of the field. Um, and like you said, with the, with the concepts that Nick Sheridan runs, I mean, they're running guys at, at different levels, um, you know, guys across the field in the middle, kind of moderate, I don't know what, how to say it, uh, a five to 10 yard range yeah. like that across the field and a guy on a post behind it. Uh, and then they're stretching you vertically and horizontally. And so, um, yeah, you got all those weapons. And the interesting thing we'll see, to see is if they ever get David Ellis back, um, that's another guy who can be both a running back and a receiver. Uh, could be kind of a versatile weapon that could really um, confuse defenses as to what he's actually doing. So, uh, yeah, they got a lot going on. It's going to be a challenge for Michigan State, absolutely. Yeah, and as much as they've been, you know, running Stevie in the flats and Stevie in motion kind of on those swings, you'd much rather have a guy like David Ellis. No offense to, to Stevie Scott, obviously, but, you know, Ellis is a little bit better receiver there. I'm impressed, and I think when you watch that Michigan game, it's it's like this offense running on all cylinders in terms of the O-line giving him time, Penix obviously dealing. You know, how important do you think is the O-line's continued progression? Obviously, last week they really showed up after a few, you know, kind of shaky weeks. And now they face a pretty talented Michigan State front seven. Um, guys who, you know, Michigan State always has guys who who get after you, maybe aren't the most talented, but but they're going to put pressure on you. This O-line, what what do you kind of think about where their progress is at? And and obviously how how indispensable are they in terms of this offense's, you know, reaching its full potential? Yeah, I mean, offensive line is always where it starts. Um, you know, against Penn State, Michael Penix was definitely a little rusty, but he was also under pressure. I yeah. mean, he just didn't have time to really sit back there and make a lot of throws. I mean, a lot of that was just trying to get the ball out because uh, there were some guys coming after him. Um, but you did see, you know, steady progress, you know, to the Rutgers week. Rutgers, the one problem was Michael Dwumfor, the the interior nose tackle for 
uh, Rutgers, he caused a lot of problems on the interior. Um, but then, you know, against Michigan, I mean, it was, it was mostly, um, you know, sound. Uh, again, I know Quiddy Pay got by Caleb Jones a couple times. I mean, he's going to get by guys because he's an NFL talent. But yeah, He's a first-rounder, so you can do first that. First-rounder, yeah. So that, that's going to happen. But Michael Penix got the ball out. Uh, gets the ball out quick in those situations. And also, yeah, there were times, uh, especially late, where IU was able to establish the run. I mean, the 14 out of the last 15 plays they called in the game were run plays. And uh, they didn't just go three and out doing it. I mean, they were able to move the chains, uh, drain the last five minutes of clock, uh, get the final, what, 29 yards I think they had to get yep. uh, after the Jalen Williams intercept, interception to score a touchdown. Um, that the, the growth that they showed in that game was it was extremely important to see because IU has to be able to run the ball. They, they can't run it to the level they did against Penn State and Rutgers mm-hmm. uh, and, and win games. They got to run it like they did in the final moments of that Michigan game, especially with, you know, the weather's going to be getting colder. You can't be throwing it 50 times a game. So yeah. uh, it's definitely going to be important. And it's going to be important this week too. Uh, like you said, uh, Michigan State's always got some pretty impressive uh, front you know, six or seven guys. And uh, Darren Hiller was talking about it this week. I mean, they have three guys who are about 335 pounds on yeah. the inside. Another guy who's about uh, 305, 315. I forget exactly what he said. But so a bunch of big guys. They're going to have to be able to move them. And uh, especially, I guess I haven't even brought up this part. I mean, obviously the interior line, they've, they've been replacing Simon Stepanak and Hunter Littlejohn. Um, obviously Dylan Powell, the, the Stanford grad transfer, uh, he, you know, manned left left guard last week because Mike Kadick was out, the red, redshirt freshman. Still trying to figure out which is going to be the right guy there and mm-hmm. maybe even continue to rotate them to keep guys fresh. But um, they need to kind of uh, gel and sink, and it seems like it's starting to come along. Yeah, and, and then finally kind of looking at, at the IU defense when Michigan State has the ball in this game, what concerns me a little bit and, and you know, uh, Ricky White, I guess, is the uh, the guy for Michigan State, a, a receiver, a freshman, true freshman receiver on the outside. Now, he obviously had a huge day against Michigan. It seems to me that pretty much anyone can do that against that secondary. So I don't know how much stock to put into that. But this does appear to be a team that can take some shots down the field. And, and Kane Womack's defense and this secondary, for as good as they've been, have given up some shot plays down the field, have given up some chunk plays. So is that a situation where if, if Michigan State's going to win this game, do you think they need to just kind of hit on those plays like they did against Michigan and they squat, you know, kind of won that game only by three points and they hit on some big plays down the field? Um, if that's kind of their only hope, then I kind of like I use chances here, given that this secondary is extremely talented, even if they have been able to give up some, some big plays. Yeah, I mean, obviously, IU brings a lot of pressure. Uh, Kane Womack's known for doing that. Tom Allen as well, obviously. Um, and they've been bringing a lot of corner blitzes, a lot of linebacker blitzes. And when you do that, if, if you don't get home, uh, you're going to have some things open on the back end. It's just the way it works. Um, but, yeah, if IU can be disciplined in its rush and not give Rocky Lombardi a chance to, you know, you know squirm out of the pocket or – or just uh, if, if, if Michigan State's offensive line just does a really good job and they're not able to get home, uh, you got some problems. But I think otherwise, if and this has been a big topic of conversation, obviously, is IU's ability to get rush for the three-man uh, front or a four-man front uh, right. without bringing pressure. Um, they would love to be able to do that because you would think that with the talent you have in the secondary with Reese Taylor, Jalen Williams, Taiwan Mullen, that if they're only bringing three or four, uh, they can match up pretty well down the field. But um, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how well Michigan State's offensive line blocks to me. That's probably the most interesting thing, uh, how well they handle uh, the corner blitzes, the linebacker blitzes, things like that. Uh, does that give them opportunities to get, you know, uh, whoever is back in coverage on an island and get some deep balls? But um, Kane Womack likes the, the way, for the most part, his defense has been playing on the back end. There were some, yeah, there was definitely some plays against Michigan where they gave up some that they, they kind of regret. But um, it's about those two sides of, you know, the, the front and the back end kind of working together on the defense. And for the most part, they've been doing that this year. So uh, I would think that uh, defensively, they're in a pretty good spot. Michigan State's going to have, should have a difficult time. But again, it's all, it goes back to those turnovers. What kind of situations do you give Michigan State early? Are, are they playing with short fields? Are they playing where they got to drive 80 yards? And I think if, if they have to drive 80 yards, I think IU's defense, the way it's been playing, uh, IU should be in a pretty, pretty good spot. Right. And finally, uh, you know, Line opened at nine. Uh, IU favored by nine. It's come down a little bit, actually. Uh, some money, and I kind of thought nine was low, but it's come down a little bit, and that's like seven and a half. Give me a give me a score prediction for for this game. What what do you think is going to happen up there in uh, East Lansing on Saturday? Yeah, I hate score predictions because uh, I we cover sports because we have no idea what's going to happen. Hopefully, right, that's, right. That's the love of it. So <laughs> I hate predicting because I know I'm going to be ninety five percent of the time wrong. Uh, but I'll say like uh, 35 to 20, 21. Or yeah, maybe. yeah, I'm with you. I'm uh, with you. I'll say something like that. You know, kind of like the Michigan score. Uh, to yeah. See yeah, I, uh, I'm right there with you. I think IU probably gets the win. This game is, I believe, uh, on ABC at noon. You can watch it there. John, uh, where can we find your work? Uh, you know, give, give you a chance to plug for whatever you're doing right now. Uh so I got a blog, uh, the HoosierSportsReport.com. A lot of our IU stuff goes there. Or you can go to HoosierTimes.com uh, forward slash Herald Times. Uh, that's where we put all our stuff. And then obviously on Twitter, uh, at John, J-O-N underscore uh, Blau, which is B as in boy, L-A-U. John, thanks so much for your time. I look forward to uh, seeing more of your work. And, and this is obviously going to be a fun game. All right. Thanks, Aiden. Appreciate it. <laughs>